0: Have you ever met someone wearing a mask, and then one day the mask came off, and you're like, whoa, the dude had a beard this whole time? Today we're going to be talking about masks, but it's not what you think, next on the Altered Podcast. Hey, welcome to the Altered Podcast. Just a heads up, my book titled Altered, Discovering Unforeseen Joy Through the Suffering That has drastically altered your life will be available soon in like a week or two maybe so friend me on Facebook at Eric Jason Austin or follow me on Twitter Eric J Austin and Instagram at EJ Austin for updates and possibly a chance to get the book cheaper than through Amazon or wherever it is you get books now once the book is out we're gonna do something a little different Heidi my wife will be joining me on the podcast and Every two weeks we'll do an episode and each episode will cover a chapter from the book and we're going to give kind of behind the scenes of what was going on, maybe a little bit more in-depth detail than the chapter gives. So pick up the book at some point when it comes out and uh, follow along with us as we make our way through the book and tell our story about the suffering that drastically altered our lives but God is using to radically alter both of us into looking more like Jesus. So masks have been a thing for over a year now due to COVID. Uh, Maybe you've had the same experience as I've had where you meet somebody at church or the store or wherever, and that's all you've ever known is them wearing a mask. And then one day the mask comes off and you're like, whoa, I didn't know you had a beard or whatever it is. And they look completely different than they did behind the mask. And that's what masks do. Masks hide. They cover things, right? It doesn't matter if it's an Iron Man Halloween mask or a facial mask we look different in masks. Masks hide things. So you guess it, today we're going to be talking about masks, but it's not what you think. It's not physical masks, but the masks we hide behind when we feel shame. And let me just say, we all feel shame, okay? If you've ever felt not good enough, not smart enough, not pretty enough, not wealthy enough, if you've ever played the comparison game with others and you fell short, you lost the game, you felt shame. If sometimes you feel your self-worth which sadly usually is tied up in wealth or possessions or physical appearances, is lacking in comparison to another, you suffer shame. And what do we do with these feelings? Oftentimes, we just hide. We try and make ourselves look better. We put on masks. Where does shame come from? There's a story in the Bible of two people who felt shame, and what they did was they masked up. They hid from each other. In Genesis 2.25, we see both Adam and Eve are naked and unashamed. The idea behind the word unashamed is not that they didn't feel embarrassed being naked around each other, although there's that element. It has more the idea that they didn't fear the other exploiting their nakedness. They didn't feel the fear of being exploited by the other person because they didn't believe their nakedness opened them up or put them at risk to being exploited because they knew who they were they were both image bearers of god their nakedness or openness without fear of evil is a picture of living in peace with others and with god they didn't fear the other making them feel less than or lacking in any way because they didn't believe they lacked in any way they knew who they were as image bearers of god they knew they were accepted loved and approved by the other because they had no reason to not accept love and approve themselves because God already accepted loved and approved them and they knew it and they knew who they were there were no nightmares of being at school naked or walking around town naked if you've never had those dreams it is a real thing the next verse in Genesis 31 says that there was this serpent and the serpent was more crafty than all the other beasts crafty is a wordplay on naked in Hebrew Naked is the word arome, and crafty is room. Adam and Eve's arome pictured their freedom and peace from fear of being exploited, but the serpent's room, or craftiness, targeted their arome, their nakedness. This peace and safety they had with God, Satan, or the serpent, aimed to destroy. And he was successful. They sinned, and then death entered the world. The biblical concept of death is not annihilation, but separation. So physical death is separation of body and soul. Divorce is an example of separation between a relationship. Mental health deals with the death that happens within us, or the separation we feel from ourself, maybe with anxiety or depression or personality disorder or mood disorder. So we see the serpent's success down in verse 7. They disobeyed God by eating of the tree... And their eyes were opened. And it says they knew they were naked. It doesn't say their eyes were open and they saw they were naked. They already saw each other's nakedness. They weren't blind in the garden. But now because of sin, they knew. They had discovered what their nakedness meant now in a world with evil. They were at risk. Peace was destroyed and fear set in. So what do they do? They did what we all do when we feel fear and risk and inferior to others. They mask up. They made camouflage undies. They immediately hid the parts of themselves they felt opened them up to being mistreated or exploited. The parts of them that made them feel unsafe they hid. Then in verse 8, they hear God walking in the garden. And it says that man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God. So in their camouflage undies, they dive into the shrubs, completely hiding and masking themselves from God. So they're hiding from each other and they're hiding from God. God asked, where's Adam? And Adam said, I heard you and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. Adam was afraid. Adam feared because he discovered his sin destroyed what it meant to have peace with God, what it meant to be naked and accepted before God. So, they masked up. They hid themselves from God. Every day we live in tension of wanting to experience peace with God and peace with others, but fearful that our vulnerabilities, us opening up and being who we really are, will be exploited by others. So, we mask up. We all hide under a mask of our choice. Our masks are our defense. They make us feel safe when we feel fearful of what people might say or think about us, we hide in some way. This is not guilt or embarrassment, but shame. Guilt and embarrassment is something about what I've done. Shame is about who I believe I am. I feel guilt if I've done something to mess up, but I feel shame if I believe at my core I am a mess up and undeserving of love. And because we feel less than, we try to make up for what we believe we lack. And we do this in order to feel accepted and loved because deep down we don't really accept ourselves. So, because of sin, we've discovered what it means to live outside of grace and love. We've discovered fear. If we know we are loved unconditionally, then fear doesn't drive us to work and to have this need to hustle and work sleight of hand to fool others around us into loving and accepting us. Instead, we know who we are in jesus we are image bearers of god fully loved fully accepted when we stop living in understanding of god's grace we start living in fear of others of what they say and what they might think we start living in fear and when we start living in fear we start living in masks and these masks alleviate ourselves of the anxiety that accompanies the fear of being unloved or unaccepted or maybe just not belonging or fitting in quickly i'll give four examples mask we wear to hide then we'll finish up with what we're to do about all this so four masks and these are not exhaustive by any means and they've been adapted from others who've worked and talked about shame and the different kind of masks we wear the first one is the gossip mask and we've all done it don't lie we've all said something we shouldn't have said maybe later we were like why did I do that but for some people they just can't help themselves Because the shame is so intense and what I see in these people who gossip quite a bit is a real need to keep attention diverted off of themselves they feel the shame of not being or having enough in some way that they desperately feel the need to redirect everyone's attention onto someone else's not being or having enough some causes for their shame may be beliefs that they are not thin enough uh, they don't have enough They're not pretty enough. They're not known socially enough, not wealthy enough. Something else I see in them is they undervalue themselves. They undervalue themselves, so they work really hard to make themselves seem valuable to the group by the juicy information that they can pass along. It's a pure power move. They're saying, I'm valuable and I'm significant to you because look at all the things you don't know that I know. You need me. And so because they undervalue themselves... They try to make themselves seem valuable by having something that the group doesn't have or know. So the next time you see someone rallying off about so-and-so and 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 such-and-such, don't fall for their redirect. Genuinely ask the person how they're doing. Put attention back on them, not in a cruel way, but in a way that makes them feel valued in a way that makes them feel loved. Let them feel accepted because you love them, not because of what they know or the inside scoop or any of that stuff. And your grace will disarm them Of their fear of not being accepted all right so the second mask we sometimes wear especially if we're in positions of leadership or maybe a boss or supervisor is the belligerent boss the belligerent boss mask so these people struggle with believing they are not good enough at what they do when actually they may be very good at what they do But because they believe at their core they're flawed and truly terrified that others are going to find out that they're flawed and not as good as people believe they should be as a leader or a boss. These people hate being questioned. Their authority is often their mask or defense and safety. They will talk over you when they feel threatened because A, they're scared of what you might say that will expose them as flawed on the matter that's being discussed or they'll internalize what you're saying, which reinforces their own flawed belief of themselves. And then, B, they don't want to appear to others who are watching as weak or losing control over the person or the conversation. So they will reassert their authority or their mask and shield themselves, because they're fearful. They're afraid. So what do you do? Well, I'd get out if I could, but that's not usually the easiest route. So... If you can't get out of this situation or this job, then in the meantime, you must honor your boss. You don't have to necessarily respect them, but you have to love and honor them. And I find it easiest to have compassion and grace for these people when I step back and I can see past the mask. When I see them as a human who is hurting and scared, hiding behind a mask of authority and not just some jerk on a power trip, then I'm free to honor that person and show them love. This doesn't excuse their behavior, but maybe loving that person better and honoring that person will make that relationship safer for the insecure boss, and he may or she may be less belligerent. Again, your grace will disarm their fear, that fear that they are flawed as a leader. The third is the clown mask, and this was totally me growing up and still is at times. I knew I never completely fit in and never would. I knew I limped and my leg was different. There's some deformity issues, blah, blah, blah. I didn't look right. I was never first picked for soccer or kickball. I was always picked last. And sometimes I caught the sympathy pick, maybe. But at a very early age, I knew I was different and I was treated different. And I did not like being different. I did not like being seen as the kid who was different. So I made sure I was the funny kid. I didn't feel like I contributed anything to the crowd, so I made sure I was the guy who could always contribute laughs to the crowd, and that's how I found my acceptance. Maybe there's someone at work or church who is desperately trying to be the funny kid, masking his or her insecurities with humor, and you miss their hurt because you think they're just so happy because they're always cutting up. Or maybe they're not funny at all, and they put everyone off by their inappropriate timing to squeeze in a joke. These are not annoying people or always happy people, but maybe hurting people who need more than a laugh. They need a friend who loves them and makes them feel accepted. Your grace will disarm their fear. That fear of having nothing to contribute. So the fourth and last one we'll talk about is the know-it-all. I also call this the cliff clavin. But not everyone is familiar with the 1990s sitcom Cheers in which Cliff Clavin was one of the main characters hanging around the iconic Boston bar. He always donned the U.S. postal uniform and always was ready to interject himself into any conversation to spew out some useless facts to show off his knowledge. If you've watched the show, you'll notice Cliff saying things like, It's a little known fact that cows were domesticated in Mesopotamia and also used in China as guard animals for the forbidden city. Another know-it-all Cliff saying is, It's a little known fact that the Tan became popular in what's known as the Bronze Age. Other than Cliff being a know-it-all, he is also a middle-aged man living with his mother, constantly striking out with the ladies, and has nowhere better to be than in a bar when he's not working or at home watching Jeopardy with his ma. Cliff's know-it-all-isms are born out of his intense insecurity and shame because he views himself as a man who doesn't measure up to what it means to be a man in his own mind. Perhaps you have a know-it-all in your life. Your grace will disarm their fear. We can make lists all day long of the different masks, the muscle head the hot head the ditz the copycat there's all kinds of things we hide behind to mask our insecurity so what do we do first thing is we realize most people are living behind masks we need to be people strong in grace so these people around us feel safe enough to drop the mask and be themselves because they know they will be accepted by us proceed flaws and all The second thing is we have to identify our own mask and then extend grace to ourselves. And how do we identify our own mask if we don't already know? We can start by making a list of people or places we feel uncomfortable. It might be a boss, a mother, it might be the office, it might be in the classroom, it might be a person at work, it might be a sibling. Then here comes the hard part. Then we have to practice self-awareness in these moments of wanting to escape or getting angry or getting insecure. We have to ask ourselves, why am I feeling this way? We have to really pay attention to our thoughts and our feelings and trying to describe them in order to identify them. Does this person or place make you feel anxious or nervous? Do they make you feel small or invisible, intimidated, envious, angry, or even dumb? Whatever the feeling then take your self-awareness a step further and ask yourself questions like what am i about to do what do i feel like doing am i talking too much am i trying to hide am i pushing this person away why do i want to punch this person am i being belligerent am i gossiping am i acting like a clown am i acting like a know-it-all these are the type of questions That will help you identify what mask you're wearing when you feel shame or less than. And then the big one is this. After we identify our mask, we then extend grace to ourselves. And we can do this because we know God has already extended his grace and love to us through Jesus. So back to the garden. After Adam and Eve tried to mask up with leaves and shrubs, God, because he loved them, did something unique. God, in his grace, made them garments. Not to hide them further, not to hide them better. They were already hiding. His garments actually told them, you don't need to hide anymore. You are accepted and you are loved. You can now rediscover what it means to be fully accepted and to be fully loved by God. This garment was from God who loved and wanted them to stop hustling to hide. This garment is a foreshadow of the righteousness that God would clothe us all in so we don't need to hide anymore. Because of Jesus, there is no sin that should make us feel so flawed that we're undeserving of love. Jesus clothing us in his own righteousness means that sin's power to create death between us and within us is over. If I ever feel less than or undeserving of love, I look to the garment that replaced the leaves. When we feel shame, unlovable, or unaccepted, we look to the cross where our shame was done away with. And now because of his grace, we look to his righteousness, like the garment which has replaced our mask. We don't need to hide behind anything anymore, but now rediscover who we are as people fully accepted and fully loved in God. Now we can take off the mask. (laughs)